Hello everyone, 7 Investing CEO Simon Erickson here, and thank you for listening to the 7 Investing Podcast. Our podcast is made possible by our subscribers, who allow us to empower you to invest in your future each and every month. In exchange, we give our subscribers exclusive access to our monthly stock market recommendations from each of our lead advisors. To support this podcast and join other 7 Investing fans in our exclusive subscribers forum, where we discuss the latest market moves in real time, go to 7investing.com slash subscribe to subscribe to 7investing today. We're here to empower you to invest in your future. We are 7investing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 7investing podcast. My name is JT Street. I'll be your host today, and we are having a very special podcast today as we simulcast live on Twitter for the start of our Summer Stock Challenge. And I'm here today with 7investing CEO, Simon Erickson. Simon, good to see you, bud. How are you today? It's fun, man. We're, we're live. We got caffeine. We're doing a live stream. We're going to talk about a couple of cool companies. I'm pretty excited. Happy Monday morning. That's right. And we're going to go through over the next few weeks and break down seven growth stocks and seven income stocks in our summer stock challenge. And the reason we're doing this is because as long-term investors here at 7investing, we want you to be thinking in that long-term mindset. So the parameters for this challenge are what stock growth or income will have the highest combined returns over the next five years. If you bought that stock today, JT, it might just be you, but I think the next I've lost five the years out of these 14 stocks, which would be the highest growth. Simon, did you say we lost the feed again? I've got you back. I timed out just for a second there, JT, but I got you back oh, now. Okay. Perfect. All right. Fantastic. Hey, we're doing it live, right? So we are <laughs> going to start with our first, our first one today, and we're going to go through two really intriguing growth companies, and that's going to be the Trade Desk, the Trade Desk versus Rocket Lab. And so I've got our resident stock expert Simon here because. Nobody wants to know how I do at stocks. And we're gonna talk about these. These are real interesting. Now, on its surface, if you were going by the, the flawed logic of past performance dictates future returns, this is a slam dunk, right, for the trade desk. I think the trade desk is, is on its way to being a 10-bagger uh, over the last five years. It's five-year returns were like 700 plus percent or something insane like that. Meanwhile, Rocket Lab, doesn't even have five years. It, it's back debuted in August of 2021. And since then it's dropped, uh, we'll be generous and say 40%, but uh, we all know that that's actually coming back after a, a larger drop where it, I think it started at, it's down in the, it started at the tens, it's down in the threes. It was up to the twenties. It, you know, it's been all over the place. It's a, it's a rocket ship without, uh, <laughs> without control at this point, but maybe that changes over the next five years and that's what we're betting on. So. So Simon, let's start with the Trade Desk. What do you like about this company uh, other than the fact that it's just been lights out over the last five years? Yeah, absolutely, JT. And, and pardon me if you don't mind, just to, to recap a couple of things I think you were saying when, when the feed cut out just for a moment of, of what we're doing with this, this Stock Pictures Challenge this summer. You know, we've, we've kind of framed it growth versus income because it's been an interesting market. It's been a very volatile market to say the least over the last decade or so. You know, we saw this incredible bull run from 2008 to 2021, right? It seemed like you could throw a dart and any growth stock you picked was gonna shoot to the moon, right? It really was, it was a fantastic time for this bull market we were in. Of course, zero interest rates, you know, money was, was free, 
companies were stepping on the accelerator. It was basically one of the best bull runs the market's seen in recent history. But then 2022 happens and everyone's starting to say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm done with growth stocks. I'm going to put it into these stable dividend paying income kind of companies or even, you know, even shorter term investments, you know, bonds or uh, money market funds are only paying 5%. We said, okay, let's settle this. Let's start, let's start putting out some research on how companies are using their profits right now. Are they investing it back in growth, the growth style investments, or are they sharing it out with shareholders through income and dividends? And so that's kind of the frame is we're going to look this first week into growth stocks, second week into income stocks. Like you mentioned, we're in the right in the middle of a growth stock one here today. And I, I believe you were asking in your original question how I feel about the trade desk. Uh, like you said, the last five years, oh, and by the way, the five-year time frame, come, come vote on our Twitter at uh, 7investing, twitter.com slash 7investing to vote, trade desk versus Rocket Lab. But like you mentioned, JT, Trade Desk has been unstoppable these last five years. One of the best growth style investments out there, up six, excuse me, 706% total return for the last five years. Um, that's incredible. That means, you know, you got $706 for every $100 you put in. Um, it's an eight bagger, which is fantastic. That's one of the best performers in the publicly traded stock universe. And it's not surprising because you've got the lead husky in the digital advertising space, Jeff Green, who's at the helm of the trade desk. He said, you know, he, he was a guy that was doing a lot of um, buying of, of, of advertising media, worked for kind of large ad agencies. Uh, if you're working for an ad agency, the most important thing to you is you want to be able to measure everything. You want to be able to see everything about your audience. You want to know everything about the channel. JT, you know better this, you know this better than anyone because you've worked in media for two or three decades now. But it's all about, you know, what is the audience? What is the most likely conversion rates? Universal ID. 2.0 was created, it's non-proprietary from the trade desk. That's now becoming the standard to make anonymous uh, users information, but still share that through email to whatever channel you wanna use. And so trade desk now is getting billions of impressions each and every day. Um, it's working with kind of all of these different platforms and different channels, it's integrated with everyone. And it wants to be kind of an open internet experience. So you're not just within Facebook and you can only advertise within Facebook platform. You're not just within Google's properties. You're not just within Roku. You've now got the entire internet is your oyster where you can measure everything about how people are reading web pages, uh, listening to podcasts, watching video streaming stations. It's kind of um, the opportunity to use a whole lot of artificial intelligence to digest all of this information from all of those impressions and be truth truthful and honest with yourself about what is converting the best if you're an advertising agency, you put your money where your conversions are the highest. This is a, a story about innovation and measurement, two of which that the Trade Desk has capitalized on very well during the past five, 10 years. That's a big oyster. From there, we're going to talk about Rocket Lab, the uh, challenger, I guess we'll say, in this matchup. Uh, Rocket Lab debuted a few years ago in a SPAC, and as their name implies, they research and develop and create rockets and have been doing so with amazing, in my mind, uh, precision and execution over the last uh, three years and, and beyond. When you look at the space space, it's really all about performance. We saw earlier this year, for those following the space, what happened when Virgin Orbit kind of fell into the drink, uh, both literally and uh, financially after their failed launch. So this is not 
a space where you get to have a lot of wiggle room for poor performance and Rocket Lab has executed really, really well so far. So uh, why don't you dive into them a little bit and just kind of give an overview for people who aren't familiar with Rocket Lab and that company? It's really neat. This is kind of a completely new market that didn't even exist um, until now. It used to be if you wanted to get into outer space, you were only doing it because the government was funding you to do this, right? You had to have a satellite, probably the size of a school bus. You were doing it for the Department of Defense or some kind of research you know, group that was well-funded. It was really expensive to put it up there. There was only a, a certain amount of um, open windows for you to even launch in the first place. And it was just really hard to, to get any satellite into, into outer space. But then a couple of things have happened. First of all, the miniaturization of satellite components, right? You can now build satellites that are the size of a person, if not a vending machine for a larger mission, right? So it's cheaper, it's less expensive, it's more uh, lightweight to put satellites out into orbit. And we're starting to see what we would call dedicated launch providers, Rocket Lab being one of them. That isn't just, you know, you have to have this spaceport that's super expensive, you know, it's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars for a formal mission. Now, for about $7 million, you can put a satellite into orbit exactly where you want and exactly when you want. And a lot of people, you know, are rightfully pointing at Elon Musk as a disruptor of this industry because SpaceX kind of started the commercial space economy. He said, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to put a whole bunch of satellite constellations into orbit. We're going to use it for Starlink because we want to beam uh, high-speed internet to all corners of the, of the Earth. But... The trick is, if you want to ride along with our Falcon Heavy rocket, you got to do it on our terms. We're going to go when we're going to go. We can put your satellite on there, too. We can put it if you're close by. But we're not going to do this if you're a smaller customer. And Rocket Lab has completely disrupted that model, saying, hey, $7 million, up to 300 kilograms of payload. We'll put it wherever you want to, exactly when you want to. And of course, if you have a business that you could make a, a business case out of, of putting a satellite into orbit, uh, maybe you want to do imaging of weather patterns for logistics because you're shipping things across the globe. Maybe you want to look at very minute changes uh, in, in the oceans because you have off-sea rigs, in, in infrastructure because you're building important things across the country. Um, maybe you want to do work for the government where they're wanting you to keep an eye on things from outer space. I mean, things like this, the use cases are starting to, to come into play. And Rocket Lab is enabling smaller companies to place payloads into space. But the really important thing, JT, is going to be over the next year when Rocket Lab transitions from placing 300 kilogram payloads into space to putting 8,000 kilogram payloads, 8 ton kilograms, uh, 8 ton payloads, excuse me, in, into space. And all of a sudden, this is unlocking now constellations of satellites, right? Now, all of a sudden, you can start offering your own high-speed internet to certain locations and billing by the month like Starlink does. Now, all of a sudden, if one of your satellites goes down, you've got a network, a constellation that can pick up the slack and you can handle the monitoring and the communications for it. And Rocket Lab doesn't just want to place them up there for you. It wants to build them for you as well. It wants to handle the communications, the power, the uh, logistics of moving around up there in outer space and the ongoing maintenance for them. And all of a sudden, if you don't have to worry about all that stuff, it makes it a lot more economically feasible. If I want to go out in outer space, I want to do something live, I want to do something out there, but I can't afford to handle this, or I don't have the technical know-how of even how to do this, Rocket Lab is enabling the commercial space economy. As you mentioned, this has been uh, thus far a, an unsuccessful public debut for the company. Uh, back in 2021, 
it raised $775 million through a SPAC IPO, special purpose acquisition companies. It was a really big deal back in 2020 and 2021, if you remember. They raised a lot of money. They put it onto their balance sheet. And what do they do with it? They just optimize the performance of the rockets. And they went out and they went after larger and larger contracts. And so now Rocket Lab, who started, you know, just kind of these small, picking up really small contracts, kind of getting a spaceport, getting um, their bearings straight on how to do this, is now landing contracts with NASA, with the Department of Defense, you know, with commercial customers like Hawkeye 360, like Black Sky, like Inspective. And they're coming back and they're winning more and more contracts over time. This is not just a one time and done. All of a sudden, you've shown your capabilities, you've shown you're a reliable launch partner. You start winning, you know, a couple of different contracts. And all of a sudden, you're launching for the same customers over a three, four, five-year period. And now you've got Neutron, which is going to carry eight-ton capacities up there. I mean, this is kind of an exciting growth story that, yeah, it hasn't worked out real well yet. If you look back in the last couple of years as an investment, Rocket Lab is showing a lot of red in terms of investor returns. But you also look at what they're enabling. Um, you look at Morgan Stanley saying this is a trillion-dollar industry by 2040. You look at the leadership. Peter Beck, knowing that he's been building rockets since he was five years old in New Zealand. And like the pieces are kind of coming together that this could be an incredible investment in an industry that's very hard to tackle. It's not any easy for any of us to build a, a rocket launching platform in our basement. Um, there's only a handful of companies that can do this well. And the biggest and most lucrative customer contracts are going to go to Rocket Lab and SpaceX. It's going to be a duopoly in the near future. And we've seen that through the failure of others. Uh, that have attempted this in the, in, in the past. I'm really excited about Rocket Lab. It might not look so great right now, at least if you look in the rearview mirror, but going forward, this is a really attractive, very lucrative investment. Right? Yeah, it's uh, you, you're talking about all the different use cases for the space economy. And what's interesting to me is the use cases where we don't even know what the use case is going to be yet. And I've got one for you, Simon. Here's a Here's a use case that I bet you will never guess. Okay. I was talking to a company and they wanted to put something into space. Take a stab at it. Anything you can think of, what did they put in? Uh, what, what satellite did they put into space? Or are you talking mm -hmm. about they shot a Tesla Roadster yeah. up there? <laughs> well, you're, you're actually close. All right. It was a luxury shoe. Okay. They shot a luxury shoe into space. Now, I'm not saying that we should invest our investing decisions based on people like adding space junk. To, to the universe, but the idea that we are going to have use cases and people who just like space is fascinating. People want to go to space. They want to send things into space, whether they are, you know, really interesting scientific experiments or shoes and cars, which we might want to regulate. But the point is, this is a brand new industry. We don't know what kind of tourism applications, what kind of business applications, what kind of observational applications are going to be coming forth in the next decade or two from the space economy. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how that goes. So, so as an investor, when you've got two companies, you've got a set dollar amount, you say, you know what, I've got, I've got $100 to invest. And I've got the ad space over here with the trade desk. And I've got the space space over here with Rocket Lab. What fulcrum am I using to say, you know, this is this is where I'm going to put my money. And that's what the summer stock challenge that we're doing is all about, because we want to figure out how we can make these great decisions. And, and Simon, your breakdown of each of these companies is a great sort of qualitative overview uh, of 
how we can look at companies and say, okay, what do we think the future is going to be like over the next five years for this company? Do we rely on previous success? Like in the case of the trade desk where we're seeing that they're already going an eight bagger over the last five years, and we're going to ride that forward, hopefully, or do we go with something where there hasn't been great performance so far, but there's a lot of potential in, in Rocket Lab. So uh, if I'm just listening to your pitch as a novice investor, which is very accurate for my investing style, based on what you said, I, I really love the promise of Rocket Lab and that would be my vote. Like I, I am a space geek. I want to see space stuff happen. I want to, I want to unlock this, this world, right? And Rocket Lab seems like the top performer uh, in the private industry to do that. So, so that would be where I would be leaning uh, as somebody who just wants to like take the limited amount of funds that I have to invest and put them into things I believe in. I, I want to see space succeed. I want to see the space economy succeed. I feel like there's so much potential for the human race to be able to use things outside of our planet to help this planet. And so that would be that would be my vote. Uh, do you want to try and put your finger on the scales here and 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 cast your vote? Do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. I'm I'm gonna vote. I, I'm gonna also put up the uh, the promotion that seveninvesting.com/slash/growth versus income. Right, JT Gro versus is VS. Uh, growth yep. versus growth income. VS income is the link. Yep. Growth VS income. Yeah, is is the link. If you want to follow along with this, um, we're gonna post all of these. Uh, articles. We're writing articles in addition to to filming the live streams. We're kind of following along this kind of tournament style. We made it fun. You know, we do it in bracket matchups. But ultimately, the goal is, like you said, if you, if you have the hundred million dollar questions, if you have hundred million dollars, a hundred dollars, whatever, hundred thousand, well, well, let's do hundred million. I like that better. Where are yeah. you putting? It? Where, where are you where are you going to put it? You know, which stock are you actually going to buy right now? All things considered, and the growth style of this bracket depends on a couple of things because growth is amazing when it works well and terrible when it works badly. Um, the hype cycle takes companies that are not meant to succeed and takes them to the woodshed. Uh, look at the littered history of, of the debris that has been left of, of companies that made a flash in their pan and then they just didn't maintain. They did not sustain in, as investments or as companies because they, they got a good start. They had the right trend, but they just couldn't execute the way that they needed to. And Let's both of these are trillion-dollar market opportunities. These are trillion-dollar market opportunities with a T, right? Space economy, trillion-dollar market opportunity. Digital advertising, something like $700 billion, $800 billion globally last year on ad spend, approaching a trillion-dollar opportunity. I mean, these are big markets, but it has to be good execution. Otherwise, you're flashing the pan that disappears. And that is why this matchup in particular is so fantastic because Jeff Green at the Trade Desk executed so well throughout Trade Desk history. Peter Beck. Rocket Labs, same thing. Like you've got the right people at the helm and you've got businesses that can compound upon themselves and scale. Uh, the trade desk gets smarter because it's ingesting more and more information. It's feeding into the deep learning algorithms that it has. And then it's digesting that and giving more and more information for measurement for the ad agencies that it has. That's why 95% of its business is locked up under contracts with large ad agencies. It can open up to the general populace anytime it wants to, but it's got this dependable recurring revenue stream from people that can make the most of what it, it keeps getting better and better at every single year. Rocket Lab, same thing with capabilities. You know, how hard is it to rocket to send a rocket um, into orbit reliably in outer space? Well, Astro Labs has shown you how hard it is. They failed several times. 
Virgin Galactic has showed uh, several times, excuse me, Virgin Orbit has showed several times how hard it is to get a rocket into space. I mean, Rocket Lab is, is the reliable and dependable partner that there's a reason that NASA and the Department of Defense are working with them, um, especially on kind of um, highly classified and proprietary missions that, you know, when you look at things like the Haste mission and um, the Responsive Space Program, I mean, these are the government's most important missions, tracking hypersonic missiles. I mean, they're putting it in the hands of a company that has a market cap of $2.7 billion right now. Very small, small cap stocks, huge potential. And so framed with this decision, that's my long-winded intro to how I'm going to answer your question. I, I think that out of the two of them, I would probably vote Rocket Lab today. You know, even though looking backwards, the trade desk has been the superior investment of the last five years. I think we're at a point that's kind of this inflection point for the space economy. I think Rocket Lab's total revenue, uh, which grew by a factor of, of three, you know, is up 200% year over year. I think that it's going to be an order of magnitude higher by the end of the decade. I think that revenue in 2030 is going to be 10 times what it is today. I think that Neutron's launch in 2024, maybe early 2025 is the uh, the tipping point where we start seeing adjusted EBITDAs turn positive and Rocket Lab stops being a money sink where they're putting money into all these R&D programs, where they're looking to make reusable rockets that don't just get used once and then they burn up when they come back, where they start getting larger and larger missions where they've built upon the capabilities that they already have and the fixed infrastructure related to the spaceports that they have and the teams that they have and all of the construction facilities that they have, that starts getting a bang for their buck as the revenues start coming in the door from more and more launches. All of that aligns, the stars align, JT, to use the appropriate met metaphor for this one. Um, I would vote for Rocket Lab over the trade desk um, in this matchup of which of the better stocks would I be buying right here today? And this is the, the fun part about investing because like we say, no one knows your money like you do. No one knows your risk tolerance like you do. If you don't have the, let's call it madness to put money into a company where one misstep maybe takes your investment to zero, then that may not be the company for you, right? You may want to side more with the trade desk or with a, a an income stock that uh, is is more dedicated to uh, you know less risk and then a, a guaranteed payout every quarter. So that's part of this too. Is these are opportunities for each of our investors and and followers to really put their finger on the scale and say this is something that I believe in. This is where I want to be. And so you can do that right now by going to Twitter following us at 7investing. We've got the poll going on right now. You know what, let's hop in right now, kind of a live look in uh, at the poll. And uh, it looks like you and I right now, Simon, are in the minority here because uh, yeah. it looks like we are right now 68% in favor of the trade desk and 31% in favor of Rocket Lab. Uh, with a with a little over 22 hours left to go in the poll here. So plenty of time for us to try and uh, lobby for Rocket Lab on Twitter and social media. But that's the really fun part of this for us is getting to see what you think. So if you have a an opinion, come and share it with us on Twitter at 7investing. We're also on threads at 7investing, uh, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us there. You can also follow along by joining our free email list, uh, which you can find through links 
and you can find it through 7investing.com slash growth vs income. And we're going to be doing these podcasts daily as we go through our growth matchups this week. Uh, let me run through really briefly just our, our schedule here. It's a, it's a real exciting schedule uh, of, of what we got. We've got growth versus income. We're going to do growth the first week. We're going to do income the second week. So tomorrow we're going to be here again. We're going to have a really intriguing matchup of uh, NVIDIA versus Snowflake. So that one should go. be fun. Yeah. Now this on Wednesday it's going to be really interesting because we're going to do Mercado Libre versus SoFi, and those are those are two uh, fin twit darlings. So that's going to be interesting. I'm really going to be interested to see the uh, poll there. And then the the marquee matchup I think for the week is going to be uh, on Thursday where we take the winners of the first three matchups and we put them all against. The first round by the the favorite, the behemoth in the room, which is Tesla, and so that's going to be kind of our 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 weeding out of the growth stocks. We're going to take the three winners from Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We're going to pit them versus Tesla in a four stock round robin where uh, or battle royale or whatever you want to call it. Right, uh, you get to vote for each one of the four, whichever one you like out of those four, and then the winner of that battle royale, uh, stock royale is going to go and and take on whoever comes out of the income side in our final matchup. So that's going to be the week ahead. We hope you'll join us. And we're going to take the podcast that we do each week. We're going to put those out on our podcast, which you can follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the streaming platform of your choice. Uh, you can also follow us on social media and follow along through our free email list. Simon, did I miss anything? My goodness, we've got so many ways to participate in this. Pretty amazing. We also have a live audience uh, here in the, the live stream. I wanted to kind of open up the lines. We're, we're doing this impromptu. We are live here. But if anyone listening live would like to ask a question or make a comment about the Trade Desk or Rocket Lab, uh, we wanted to kind of give the opportunity to do that right now. Knowing we are on a live stream, we're going to give that opportunity. Would anyone like to, to speak about any of the companies here? I had to try, JT. I had to give the opportunity just in case. Um, I mean, the, the whole point of this is, is really kind of fun. We're not just uh, cheerleading, you know, we're doing this in a one-way kind of uh, way. Our mission at 7investing is to empower investors. We want to provide uh, objective analysis and let everybody make decisions on their own of what's best for them. This is a really fun way to do that. We hope that you follow along with this challenge. Um, again, 7investing.com slash growth vs income to follow along. We do email out the competition, the matchup each and every day that we have one. And then we're going to send the results out tomorrow as well, JT. That's 7investing.com slash email if you want to get on our email list and follow along with those. And then and then the last the last promotion I have to say is uh, for $1, you can get started with 7investing and see all of our recommendations, see what's actually behind the curtain. A lot of the companies we are featuring in this competition are active seven investing recommendations, though, though not all of them are. We, we didn't put a, we didn't put all of our recommendations in there. But if you want to kind of get you know under the hood and, and see you know why why these companies why are they good investments you know what's th our thoughts about valuation all of these things uh, check us out seveninvesting.com/slash subscribe. But again, at the end of the day, growth style investing is um, you know from this point forward, there's a lot of opportunity. I think the trade desk is the safer of these two picks. There's a lot that can go wrong. When you're rock when you're launching rockets into space, but you know what is kind of the, on that continuum 
of a risk versus reward, you can kind of see and make the case for Rocket Lab being a fantastic investment return. They're executing pretty well so far. They'll see if they can continue that in the future with Neutron here in 2024 next year. And just to, to piggyback onto your plug, uh, the level that we got into today with these two companies is nothing compared to what the advisors do each month when they when they go through and make their recommendation reports. And when you're a subscriber, you get access to seven recommendation reports each month on the first of the month. You also get access to seven best buys each month, which we drop on our subscriber call. And for those who don't know, that is happening this Thursday. So if you subscribe today, you can get in on that. You can listen to our subscriber call. You get to ask questions to all of our advisors live. Uh, you can text them if you don't want to be on air. And you can listen to the recaps of each month's stocks. You get to hear the, the July stocks that go through each one, explain why they liked it. Uh, company updates on other recommendations that may be in the news. And then our best buys also live. You get to see what stock each advisor would buy right now which is a lot of fun. So that's this Thursday. If you subscribe today, you will get a link to that too. And you'll get to join us there too. So a lot going on at 7investing this month. It's a busy July. It's month number seven. It's our month, Simon. This is we it. Go. We're going to do it. That's right. So on behalf of Simon Erickson, on behalf of all of our awesome advisors at 7investing, I want to thank everybody for listening today. Please join us as we continue our summer stock challenge throughout the month of July. Thanks for listening, everybody.